with your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. I give honor to your pastor, his family. Amen. They are dear friends of ours. We love them. Uh, I don't, my whole family's here. I don't get the privilege of being in service with my family very often anymore, as much as I used to. Uh, I try, uh, but evangelizing a lot of times they're home, but when they found out I was coming here, they all marked themselves unavailable at home, so they wouldn't get put on the schedule, amen, so, amen, that's our family loves your pastor and his family, amen, it is an honor and a privilege to be here, I hope you realize how blessed you are as a church. Man, I, I, I get the privilege of traveling quite a bit. I, I get to go to a lot of places. And I learned a long time ago, everywhere you go, you learn something. Everyone you meet, they, they teach you something. Whether they're going to teach you what to do or what not to do. Man, you're blessed with a pastor and family that can teach you what to do. Man, good examples of the follow, and I'm, I'm thankful for them and their friendship. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Just want to just jump into the word of the Lord tonight. Hebrews 11. I'll begin in verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country country. I probably have the longest title I've had in a long time. I just want to preach for a little while. I am a stranger and a sojourner. A stranger and a sojourner. God, I thank you for your word as anointed. I ask that you help me to minister your word to your people. Let us receive what you would want for us today in this place. I'm asking that your word go forth with clarity. Help me to preach what you desire, nothing more, nothing less. I give you praise, glory, and honor for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can you put your hands together one more time? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You may be seated. Abraham was walking in his promise. While it would be 400 plus years before that promise would be fulfilled, he was walking in his promise. The setting of our scripture takes place in what we know now as the promised land. It was there that Abraham sojourned, the scripture says. He was a stranger in that land. God had promised that land that it would belong to Abraham and to his seed. Genesis 13, beginning in verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up thine, now thine eyes, 
and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent, came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. This is where our scripture text is taking place. Abraham is sojourning in this land. It's here in our scripture text. Abraham has seen God do the miraculous. He's watched as God took an old man and an old woman and performed a promise. When everyone said it was impossible, when the time of life uh, was well past and, uh, and everyone had given up hope that it would ever happen, uh, God said, I can still work a miracle uh, when it seems impossible. Uh, I can still do what no man can do, uh, and I can make a way where there seems to be no way. Uh, I don't know what you're facing tonight, uh, but that's the God that we serve. Uh, he makes a way uh, where there is no way. Abraham has watched God do the miraculous. He's also watched God test him because that same miracle child that was born, a while later, God would speak to Abraham and said, I want you to take him to a mountain that I'm going to show you. And I want you to take him to that mountain and uh, I want you to sacrifice your son back to me. I want you to lay him on an altar and I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham was tested during this time and he uh, went and did what God said. And uh, Isaac said, God uh, said, Dad, I see the wood. I see the fire, but I don't see the sacrifice. What's going on here? Abraham simply said, God's going to provide. God's going to make a way. And that's exactly what he did on the top of that mountain. As Isaac laid on that altar, He, God said, stop, Abraham. I see that you're willing to give me everything. Look around you. And right behind him in the thicket was a ram stuck, stuck by his horns. And Abraham said, this place, I have learned, God is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. I don't know what need you have tonight, but Jehovah Jireh is in this place. The God that can supply every need. And so God manifested himself time and time again to Abraham. Now Abraham is returning home. And the scripture tells us in Genesis 23 that Sarah dies. Many scholars say that Sarah died while Abraham was away with Isaac. While Abraham was getting that incredible blessing on the mountaintop. While God was being Jehovah Jireh to him. Sarah was dying back home. Genesis 23 and 1 says, and Sarah was 170 and 20 years old. And these were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kirjatharba, and the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah, to weep for her, 
And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. He is looking to bury his wife. And he turns to the people and he says, I am a stranger and a sojourner here with you. And that's where I'm grabbing my text from, my title from tonight. Uh, you and I have that same testimony that Abraham have uh, had. Uh, I am uh, a stranger and a sojourner. Uh, I am a stranger uh, and a sojourner uh, with you. Uh, Sarah, Abraham's beloved wife, has passed away. Uh, he's wishing to bury her. Uh, it's the custom uh, to bury a loved one in land that you own. Uh, but the problem was Abraham. Abraham didn't own any land at this point in time. He's just a stranger. But he had a promise from God that his descendants would one day own the very land on which he was standing. The people of this land offered to give Abraham a burial place. Matter of fact, they said, we'll give it to you for free if you'll take it. But he insisted on paying for it. He haggled. Finally, they worked at a deal and came to an agreement of an acceptable payment. It's in accordance with the Near Eastern custom that in a situation involving grief or an emergency, you would offer what is necessary to deal with the grief or the emergency for free. That was the custom of the day. And so it was customary. For someone who was in Abraham's position, his wife has passed away. He's grieving. He wants to bury her, but he doesn't own a burial lot. He doesn't own any ground in which to bury her in. It was customary of that day for the people to say, I will give you something for free. You're in a moment of grief. You're in a moment of emergency. You don't have time. You don't have You shouldn't have to be worrying about that right now. We will freely give you a place to bury your wife. It was just a customary courtesy. So I, I begin to wonder, why did Abraham insist on paying for the land? He could have had it for free. I mean, it was just a courtesy. But was something else going on? As I was reading through this this morning, I began to ask the question, why is the Scripture taking up so much time telling this story? I mean, what is the significance of this? That it should take up a whole chapter. Why would the Bible waste 20 verses on a man haggling about a place to bury his wife? Why is that important? I learned a long time ago, God didn't put anything in his word by happenstance. Nothing's there by accident. If it's there, it's there for a reason. So I began to wonder, God, why did you spend 20 verses your word is so precious. Why would you spend all of these verses talking about this story? Abraham was in the promised land. The land that God had promised to give him. And yet, here he was a stranger and a sojourner. He was not going to blurt out to the Hittites, who was living in the land that he was in at that moment, hey, this is my land. 
God gave it to me. I'm just going to go pick a spot and I'm going to go bury my wife. I don't think that would have went over well. I don't think the Hittites would have appreciated Abraham's point of view. And that's not what Abraham did. Abraham goes to them and he tells them, I am a stranger and a sojourner. I don't have any place to bury my wife. I ask that you allow me to buy it from you. I need to buy a piece of land from you so that I can bury my dead. I think there's something more here than just Abraham being diplomatic. Even though this land was his new home, a land that God had called him to live in, but he was never to return to his homeland again. This was his home. But yet, he felt like a stranger. In Hebrew, the word for stranger is gar. It means to live without protection. The Hebrew word rendered rendered here for sojourner is to shav. It means to take up temporary residence. It's amazing to me that the scripture would use these two words. We pretty much say the same thing. Telling us that Abraham was saying, I am a temporary resident who lives without protection, without no real security. You see, some translations say that he was a foreigner. A foreigner is someone who moves into a country, to a different land and decides to live there, but they still retain their same language. They still retain their same customs, their culture of their former land. They don't change who they are. They just change where they live. As I begin to think about that, I can't help but think about our walk with God. Because I'm a stranger in this land. I'm a foreigner in this land. My home... Oh, I got a home that I'm headed to. And so while I'm here, I'm right here in the right now. I'm living in the now. But while I'm here, I'm just a foreigner. I'm not going to adapt to the world in which I'm living in. I'm not going to adapt to the culture that is around me. I have a culture. I have a home. And I'm going to live like I'm home. I'm going to live like where I belong. foreigner doesn't change but see here's the thing about a foreigner he has family back home in the old country he has no citizenship in his present land and so he has no real government no protection from the government no privilege we see it in our own here in America we can we can understand that picture if they're not here they're not a legal citizen of the United States they're not a legal resident of the United States There's things that you and I, as part of our who we are as an American, the rights and privileges that we have, they don't have those same rights and privileges. And that's what most and that's what Abraham was. He was saying, I'm not a resident. I'm a stranger. I'm a sojourner. As a foreigner, he was one who settled down in this new land. He made a home in this new land, but he wasn't a citizen in the new land. Uh, Although he's living in peace with those around him, 
As a matter of fact, he contributes. He becomes a contributing a contributing person to that land, but he's not a citizen. Abraham is simply dwelling in this new land. He's living there. He's contributing. As a matter of fact, he goes and fights for them. He protects them. They learn to love Abraham. That's why they're wanting to give him the burial place for his wife because they've seen what he's done. They've seen what he's brought. His men have fought for them. His men have protected them. He has served them. When I think about Abraham and then I look at our walk with God, he is an example of how we as apostolics should be living in our world. Yes, we should benefit those around us. We're not a citizen of this place. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. But while I'm here, I need to be fighting for those that are around me. While I'm here, I need to be reaching for those that are around me. While I'm here, I am benefiting those I come into contact with. What Abraham was doing, he fought for them, he protected them. But he didn't consider it being a citizen. In that day, to be a citizen, to be a true member of the community, you had to embrace the religion of the people. And since he left the land of Ur, when he left his homeland, he didn't agree with their religious thoughts. He began to serve God. He put away the idols of Ur. And now here he is living around the Hittites. And he said, no, I got a God that I'll never walk away from. I have a God that's been too good to me. I have a God that's given me promises. I have a God that created a miracle in my wife's womb. I've seen him provide. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He is my way maker. He is my healer. He is my protector. He is my provider. I will not turn around. I will not back away from him. If I got to be, if I, to be a citizen here means I got to give that up. I'll never be a citizen because I'm never giving that up. I'm talking to somebody today. You may have to give some things up to be a part of that kingdom, but that kingdom is worth giving up anything you got to give up for. The moment you step through that street or that gate of pearl and onto that street of gold, everything is going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful day. Abraham said, no, I can't give it up. I cannot turn around. I refuse to be a part of a pagan culture. That's not who I am. That's not where I belong. He says, no, I'm not a citizen. God brought me here, yes. God gave this land to me, yes. God instructed me to move here, yes. All that's true. 
Another translation of that word sojourner means to be tightly inserted. In other words, God tightly inserted Abraham into that land. He fit, and yet he was not really a part of that land. We learn in Hebrews that he had to live by faith in this new land. Although the people of the land of Canaan accepted him and he lived in peace with them, He did not belong there. He never truly would belong in that land. His nephew Lot, he made other decisions. Lot embraced the culture. He embraced the religion of that land. And so he had no problem. He moved right into Sodom and he felt good. He was comfortable living in Sodom. But Abraham could not because he worshiped a God, the only true God. He always said, nope, I'm not backing away from this. Jehovah is the only God I'm going to serve. So when you read about Abraham, he never lived in the city. He always lived outside the city. He lived in a tent. He he dwelled outside of town. He always dwelled. A lot, he said, I'm going to go right into Sodom. I'm I'm just going to move right right on in and become one of the one of them in the city but Abraham was always on the outskirts he was always just outside he always had that place he set himself apart unto God he said no 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 I am not a citizen as I read that the picture of this story Abraham said as long as I'm worshiping God I got no real home here. That old song, I said a little bit of the lyrics a little while ago. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Oh, this world, it's not my home. My treasures are laid up somewhere. Beyond the blue, the angels beckoned me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That's how Abraham lived his life. And like Abraham, it needs to be our testimony. I am a stranger in a foreign land. I will not embrace the religions of this world. My hope is not found in this world. If I hear that the economics are failing, if I hear of wars, if I hear a political change, it doesn't create anxiety in me. It doesn't create fear in me because my hope is not in the money markets of this world my hope is not in the government of this world my home is upon the blue oh I got a hope that reaches beyond America I got a hope that reaches beyond here and there I have a home that I'm headed to I have a hope that I'm reaching for we got to live like Abraham by faith our home is not of this world we're just passing through as a matter of fact 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 tells us we are ambassadors for Christ 
An ambassador does not live in his own country. He dwells in a foreign land. But he represents his home country. You and I, we need to be representing our home country. We are ambassadors in this world. And until we return to our true home, we're just sojourners here. We're just strangers in a foreign land. Abraham was very quick to define who he was. He needed something. He needed a place to bury his wife. But he said, I'm not going to sacrifice my identity for it. I want you to know up front who I am. I am a stranger and I am a sojourner. I will always be a stranger and I will always be a sojourner. And I've just come for a few moments tonight here to remind the church you are a stranger and a sojourner. That's who you are. It's how that first generation church lived. Acts 2 verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I say the same thing every time I read that. Thank God he's still calling. Thank God he's still calling because that means that's me. I fit into that scripture. That's you. You fit into that scripture. If you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been to an altar of repentance, if you've never been baptized in the only saving name, the name of Jesus Christ, if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, the promise is unto you. It's to you. He's calling you tonight. He's calling you in this place. He is calling you. I'm thankful I answered that call. It's the best decision I ever made in my life to answer that call. But scripture doesn't stop there. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, they didn't wait. You're in this place, you need to be baptized, don't wait. We need to get it done today, don't wait. They didn't wait. He gave them an opportunity. And immediately, that moment, that day, they made that decision. They received his word. And the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here's the, and here's the verse. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continued. It wasn't a one-time affair. I'm thankful for the day of Pentecost, and I'm thankful for the thousands that received the gift of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in the name of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. But God, I'm also thankful that this experience that I've had, it's not a one-time thing. 
It's not just a one-moment thing. I, I'm, I feel God's touch in a service, uh, and I come to an altar, and I repent, and I get baptized in Jesus' name, and uh, he fills me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, but that's not it. Uh, that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning uh, of the story. Uh, that's just the beginning. Uh, and they continued steadfastly uh, in the apostles' doctrine. Uh, they continued steadfastly uh, in fellowship. Uh, they continued steadfastly uh, in breaking of bread and in prayers. What an amazing statement. They continued steadfastly. That tells me that the book of Acts church who must continue steadfastly, they were saying we got the same testimony that Abraham had. I am a stranger. I am a sojourner. I'm going to continue in this thing. I'm going to be steadfast in this thing. I will be unshakable. I will be unmovable. I am going to continue what God has started in my life. And just like the book of Acts, we live in trying times. The darkness of our day does everything it can to swallow up and drown out the light of truth. We live in a society where truth is relevant, where tolerance is the new religion, where everyone just wants to get along. Doesn't matter what you believe, all roads lead to the same place. You know the greatest lies are mostly true. There's just a tweak to them. And that's one of the greatest lies this world has ever come down the pipe in this world. All roads lead to the same place. You choose who you want to worship. All roads lead to the same place. We're all going to get to the same place. And the reality is that statement is almost 100% true. All roads lead to the same place except one. This road we're walking, it doesn't lead to the same place. But all those other roads, they all do lead to the same place. Broad is the way. That leadeth to destruction. Narrow is the way. Walk ye therein. All roads lead to the same place except one. That's why it's so important that I make sure I steadfastly walk in this road. That's why I got to understand I'm a stranger. I'm a sojourner because I can't get off track and get onto some other road. It's going to lead me to the wrong place. I got to stay on the road I'm walking. I got to understand who I am. I got to understand where I'm a citizen of. I got to understand where I'm going to get to where I'm going. I got to make sure I'm in the right spot. I'm on the right road. I'm walking the right way. Come on somebody. You're a stranger and a sojourner in this world. Heaven is your home. It's not always going to be comfortable. Sometimes you're going to have to face questions you can't answer. Sometimes there's going to be struggles that almost overwhelm you and sometimes you're going to walk the lonely valley. But we are the church. We carry the legacy of that stubborn, persistent community of believers. I said, I'm a stranger, and I'm a sojourner. 
that first century church that was born in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. We can't afford to leave that now. I can't afford to walk away from that now. Paul said in Hebrews 12, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have a cloud of witnesses. What he's saying is they've run their race. It's our turn now. They continued on steadfastly. They made up their mind. They were a stranger and a sojourner. They made up their mind, and they continued, they continued steadfastly. They never wavered. They never faltered. And now they've put this thing into our hands. We are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We carry the legacy of the church of the ages. From the upper room to now, the chain has not been broken. And I've come to let hell know it ain't breaking on my watch it's not breaking now it's been true all the time and as long as I'm breathing it's gonna be true because I got a made up mind I'm a stranger and a sojourner in every generation there have been true believers that have continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And now it's our turn. It's our moment. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every sin that does so easily plague us. Let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. Let us continue the race. The history of the church is fully invested in us right now. It's fully invested in your life. It's fully invested in my life. The truth that stood throughout all the ages watching what's our generation going to do what are we going to do we have to realize and recognize where we stand in this grand scheme of things the baton has been placed into our hands it's time to continue steadfastly it's time to get a made-up mind, I am not willing to become a citizen of this world. 
I am not willing to trade my walk with God for anything temporal in this world. It is not worth it. It is not a fair trade. It is not a worthy investment. There is nothing. It doesn't matter what happens to me in this world. It doesn't matter if I live to be 90 years old and I don't receive another blessing. It doesn't matter. What is 90 years in comparison to eternity? What is 90 years in comparison to eternity? I'm just a sojourner. I'm just a stranger. I am a citizen of another country. I am going to make heaven my home. I got grandparents over there. I got loved ones over there. I got elders that are over there. My childhood pastor's over there. Poppy's over there. I can't wait to see them again. I can't wait to see my grandparents again. I can't wait. What a reunion it's going to be when those clouds part and we which are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the air. What a reunion it's going to be. I'm just a sojourner. I'm just a stranger because I'm going to get caught up one day. There's going to be a trumpet sound. My feet are going to leave this earth and I'm going to get caught up. My mind is made up. This world is not my home. The saints of old are gathered around heaven's portal. and This is what they want. They want to know if our generation of apostolics has the same thing they have. They want to know if we're going to continue in this way. As for me and my house, as for me and my family, as for me and my church, as for me. Let it ring from the heavens. Let there be a declaration that is made. I will continue. Who I am. And there's nothing this world can give me to convince me otherwise. I refuse to turn to the right or turn to the left. I refuse to water down this precious truth. I refuse. Had an elder, Papa Rowland. He was a minister for 50 plus years, an elder in my life. I was a young man. I'd go sit at his house and he'd fry me up fried potatoes. If you've never had battered fried potatoes, you don't know what you're missing. I'm hungry just thinking about it. He'd batter up them potatoes and deep fry them. He'd slice them up, batter them and deep fry them. And then he'd make me a hamburger and then we'd sit there around that amazing plate of food. We talk about God. 
and the goodness of God. And he'd tell me stories of the pioneer days. And he'd tell me about the brush arbors. And he'd tell me about the things he'd seen in his walk with God. And on his deathbed, I made it to his house the day, day or two before he died. And I gave him a promise. I said, Elder, I promise you one thing. I will not drop the ball. You have handed me something. And I refuse to drop it. I refuse to let it fall by the wayside. That's the last words he heard come out of my mouth. Papa, I will not drop this thing. I will not let it die with me. I got a made up mind in this place. I am a stranger in a strange land. I am a sojourner in a strange land. I am headed to my home above the clouds. The musicians will come. There's a story told of Napoleon at Waterloo. I read this story and I thought, man, that's amazing. I don't know if it's true, but it sounds good. The story goes that Napoleon was at Waterloo. He was surveying the battlefield. He recognized the looming disaster that was ahead. And that tough little general turned to his drummer boy and said, the English are standing firm. The old guard is making no progress. We are defeated. Sound the retreat. Hesitantly, the lad looked up at his general and quietly said, Master, in all our campaigns in Europe, I have never learned how to sound the retreat. The story says that the heart of Napoleon was so touched that he said, all right then, drummer boy, sound the charge. Some of you feel overwhelmed in this place. Some of you have been through quite a struggle the last few little while. Some of you may be weak and some of you may be weary. But listen to what I'm telling you tonight. When you don't know what else to do, sound the charge. I'm just a stranger. I'm just a sojourner. I have never learned to retreat. I'm not quitting now. I don't even know what retreat looks like. Retreat's not in my vocabulary. I'm just like that little drummer boy. I've never learned how to play retreat. I've never learned what retreat is. That's my spirit. That's what I'm feeling. And that's what I'm, I'm ushering. I am trying to get this church to grab a hold of. Retreat it's not an option. Surrender's not an option. Giving up's not an option. I'm going forward. We're pressing on. We're strangers. We're sojourners. But we will make it to the end. I don't know how to retreat. Quitting is never an option. So tonight, if you feel like tossing in the towel, I just come to come. I just want to come alongside you and encourage you. Stand firm. If you're saying I don't know how much more I can endure, I want you to purpose it in your heart. I'm just a stranger. I'm just a sojourner here. This world, it's not my home. I'm just passing. 